So I love the beginning of a new year. There's, there's new resolutions, there's new goals, there's new chances for clarity about where, where we've come from and where we want to head. Um, I love the beginning of a new year. I, I hate the middle of a new year when I haven't actually done any of those things along the way, but I love the beginning. It's full of possibility. And, I, you know, we have this way of kind of falling back into, into old patterns really quickly. Now, even though it's a new decade, the world seems right now trapped in old patterns. Um, and that can sometimes make us wonder whether things can really be different than they are right now. We've been around the sun a couple of times already. This may be a new year, but it's not our first year here on this planet. We've been around. And I was thinking about that. I, I was helping with Vacation Bible School, uh, a kids program that we have. And one year midway through the week, we had this, this new girl show up, and I wanted to make her feel at home. And so I gathered everybody up together. I was like, hey, everybody, I want you to meet Mandy. Uh, let's make her feel welcome. She's new. And Mandy turned her head shocked and looked at me and said, I'm not new. I'm five years old. <laughs> it's like, yes, yes, from the mouths of five-year-olds, because that's the problem with all of it. We're not new. We're five or 15 or 25 or 35 or 85 years old. We've seen a thing or two in our days, Sonny. In these days, you know, the pattern of the old world makes things seem like even older and more entrenched. All around us, we see fear, we see war and bigotry and inequality and injustice, and we have this question, can we break through that old and be something new? Can this world be new? But at least we've got new things around us. We've got the newness of Baby Yoda right now. Yes. There's some hope there. And we've got the newness of Baby Luca with us also. Maybe, maybe new is possible after all. In so many ways, I think that's the part of Jesus' message that resonates with me right now. Uh, Simply that a new way is possible. When all seems impossibly old, that Jesus invited us and unveiled to us the freedom and the empowerment to live a new way of life, of love, to do life with ourselves and with others, with God, and in our world in a new way that brings new life and breaks through the old, that invites us, as my friend this week called it, a rebellious hope, into this tenacious hope in love that wins, and into the sacred community of justice and joy and peace that can be and must be and will be in our world. It is something brand new, and it includes all people, and it includes us as well. And so Jesus said to everyone that he met, you belong in this story. You are loved. You are so loved. So live in love so that others know that too. And you'll be part in that of making something new, not in your strength alone, but together with others and with a God who is making all things new through you and in you and for you as well. And so, like my VBS friend Mandy, we're not new here, but we're a part of something deep and divine and decidedly different and new. Right now, in our lives, in ourselves, in our homes, in our workplaces, in our world that so needs hope, we are invited to be bearers of that hope, to be bearers of love, to be new. 
And there's many ways to talk about how to, how to do that and how to think about that. Over the next sermon series, we're going to be talking about kind of centering ourselves around love and the revolution that happens in our lives around that. But this week, I want us to look through the lens of a metaphor that Jesus kind of used for this. A metaphor that he used to describe a new kind of vision that we need to find in the midst of this old world, a, a way of staying open to the new, of being new. So that metaphor comes from a time when Jesus was talking to adults, um, and they started asking very adult questions of Jesus, you know, about the old patterns of who's in and who's out of comparison and ranking. And I'm sure they were asking Jesus about like car insurance and adult things like that. That's the only like adult thing I could think of this week. Um, yes, car insurance. Um, and and uh, yeah, that's all. That's all I know about being an adult. I'm so sorry. One of the listeners asked Jesus this. He says, you know, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? which is such an adult thing to ask. <laughs> in this world we're building, who's going to be in charge? Who's the best? Who's got it right? Who's on top? And Jesus said, you got the wrong spirit, friend. You need something new. And so he calls a child, it says, whom he put in front of them. And I'm sure Jesus asked their parent if it was okay to do this. And asked and said to them, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like children, you can never enter the kingdom of heaven. If you want to be a part of this, if you want to see this, if you want to help bring this into being, if you want to help create the new, you need to cultivate a new kind of spirit. You need to cultivate, in some ways, this childlike spirit. And Jesus isn't inviting us into naivety, or, but he's inviting us to be open, to remember that childlike spirit of wonder and possibility, of learning and exploration, of creativity and curiosity, of play, of, of simplicity, of, of inclusion, and of a spirit of hope, of faith and hope and love, that hope in this childlike way, this fresh hope that this world will be a place where we show up for each other, that people will be nice to you, and that life will be full of fairness and peace and joy and like ice cream along the way to you that we'll all live lives of meaning and belonging, whatever occupation we find, whether we're paleontologists or princesses or garbage workers or like all of those things all at once, which is what my kids want to be. But as adults, we know, like we've been around the block before, we know the world isn't like that. It's not that simple. But the child in us says, well, it should be. And when those two spirits meet, that adult and that child and that great both and, that yin and that yang, what emerges in that intersection is a dynamic, deep, realistic, tenacious hope that we know that this world should be new, that it must be and it will be. And in a childlike way, we know that. But we also know that it's going to take work and that we have a part to play in what God is unveiling. And as we cultivate that childlike spirit amidst all of the other demands of life, it helps us to begin to make new amidst the old. And so right there in the complexities and difficulties of life, when we cultivate a spirit that's open to possibility, to creativity, to learning, to new relationships and collaboration, that seeks justice and joy and peace in our world with a simple spirit of hope and faith, that can hold us together amidst the paradoxes of life, when we cultivate that spirit that's open to the new, and we stay open. We open ourselves to each other, to ourselves, and to being a part 
of the work of the God whose love is making all things new. And so how do we do that? <laughs> how, do we, how do we find that spirit of newness and cultivate that in our lives? How do we cultivate that childlike spirit this year? And so I, I decided to put a little thought into this question. Um, so over the last couple of weeks, I've been watching my kiddos very, very closely to get some pointers on how to do this. been doing some research. I'm sure you have your own thoughts from your experiences or maybe from your childhood, you remember. Um, I thought about important wisdom like you know, jump on more trampolines. That's very important. Always get sprinkles with your ice cream. Good wisdom there. Uh, open your presents as fast as you possibly can, which seems to be the things my kids are into. Those are all great life tips, and there's wisdom in each one of those things. Um, but I did notice a couple other things that I want to share with you about, about cultivating that childlike spirit. I think one of the things that it invites us to is to remember the important things in life. So around our house, there were some presents over Christmas. There were lots of exciting things that light up and make noise and take batteries and use batteries very, very quickly. But there was one gift uh, that seemed to reign above it all and capture their attention. It was the chance, get this, to dig a hole in our backyard. <laughs> it was the greatest thing that happened. Um, Brother Hudson and, and Sister Grace, they set up cones around the perimeter for safety. You can see the construction cones there. And they went to work for hours. And for a little while, they were together with each other and with Lindsay and me working as a team, collaborating on a dream, and really just like laughing and enjoying nature and dirt and each other and life and digging a hole. And they wanted to camp out by the hole so they could wake up first thing in the morning and get back to digging. <laughs> they had big plans for this hole. Um, and so at night, I, I asked my son Hudson, I like to ask him, you know, what was good about your day? What was the good thing today? And that night, after digging all this hole and Christmas stuff, he said his favorite thing this season was spending time with Daddy, with Mommy, with Grace. Spending time is what he said was the best thing that happened. And that was it. That was what was great about the holes that we were digging. It was the chance to dig in and to just together. In the adult world, we got a lot of digging going on. <laughs> we're digging lots of holes. We're working on lots of projects. Sometimes we're camping out next to them so we can start early again in the morning. Sometimes there's disagreements as we dig together. And as important as the holes that we're digging in life are, even more important are the people around us that we're shoveling with, with family, with friends, with coworkers and classmates and teachers and students spending time giving our presence to each other, our collaborative spirit in this life, our listening ear, listening with that same attentiveness with which we want to be heard, but most of all in big ways and in small ways to give our love to those that we're in this life with. Jesus said that was the most important thing of all in life, to love others, to love God, to love ourselves. And so to remember amidst all this digging and dirt, to love the people around you and your neighbors who are created in the image of God, to remember that in some way in this work together, we belong to each other in this life. And in that belonging together is where we find the most important things of all. And the second thing I think I learned from my kids over this last couple of weeks is, is that it's to remember that wherever you go, you belong there. Sometimes you have to do this with courage and with fierceness. And so this week, my daughter Grace and I were hanging out at the trampoline park, 
like you do. And some older girls uh, had a pretty wicked tumbling line going on at the trampoline park. Uh, you know, there's, I'm pretty sure uh, Simone Biles was there incognito just flipping her way through. And so my little three-year-old just like got in line <laughs> with all the big girls. She's like hopped in because she belonged in that line as much as anyone else. And she had gifts to offer on her own. And so the girl in front of her pulls off this like round off back handspring double tuck. And Grace just like takes a breath. And then she just bounds down the, uh, the trampoline. I think this is going to be in slow-mo. So sorry for this. Boom. There we go. It's so dramatic. Look at that tumbling run. <laughs> okay, just a great finish. And into the wall, full body. Yes. She bounded out. Yeah, let's just give her, give her a round of applause. Good job, James. And so as she bounded down that trampoline, full of smiles and joy and just confidence in her belonging, she brought this gift to the people who were gathered there the gift of a childlike spirit, of that simple joy that just changed the dynamic. Because the line was getting a little competitive, <laughs> right? And all of a sudden, people were jumping and twisting and slamming into the walls for joy. And it was because here was this person who wasn't there to belong by achieving, but was there to belong by being. And she did what she did, and she cultivated a different spirit and brought her gifts and offered them. Before we grow up and we start looking around for external confirmation that we belong, that we don't always get in this world, there's this innate, unspoken sense of belonging that we have, that childlike spirit that allows us to bear the gift of ourselves in this world and to receive others' gifts as well. And that old world sometimes can dim that light, right? But your creator the one who loves you and forms you and knows you and shapes you and thinks you are amazing and unspeakably beautiful and a pretty good hang. That creator is whispering into the very depth of your spirit. If you listen, saying you are a beloved child of God, beautifully and colorfully made of sacred worth and profound purpose, and you belong and have gifts to offer that no one else can. And when we can hear that whisper and let it awaken that spirit in us again, it begins to change everything and makes it new and makes us new and open. So the great poet and mentor Maya Angelou said this about belonging. She said, you're free when you realize you belong no place. We're not contained in any place. You belong in every place. The price is high, but the reward is great. To find that belonging and that whisper of your creator that you belong every place and you are needed there with all you are, child of God. And so claim your spot in line and go for it with childlike freedom and joy. And the gift of living that way will bring life to all you meet. You belong and other people belong too. And and that part is where life gets complicated sometimes. <laughs> One of the things that I see in my kids is that they know that there's a right way to treat people and there's a wrong way to treat people. And they know it. They don't always do it, but they know that. 
If there's one thing that kids have, it's that keenly developed sense of fairness and justice and that willingness to speak up when things aren't fair, when it's their turn for the special seat and they don't get it, when, when the sprinkles aren't exactly equal on the different ice cream cones. They speak up about injustice and they know that. And in the midst of this life, I think we need to recapture that. We need to find that childlike courage to speak up and to work for justice. So Brene Brown, in her, her new book, about, she speaks about true belonging, and she says that true belonging isn't about just going along with the crowd in order to fit in. But in those times when you need to speak up, believing that you belong enough to be willing to stand for what is right, even to stand alone for what is right, is a part of that deep belonging that we find as children of God. Our belonging as children of God and to each other is a spiritual empowerment that empowers us to stand up for each other, to stand up with strength and kindness, knowing that we belong to each other in this life and how we live and how we love, that even in conflict is part of breaking those cycles of old and being new. It's love that wins, and we're called to stand strong for that. And so Brene Brown writes that in this life, We need to walk through the world with three things. And she says, it's strong back, soft front, and a wild heart, which is beautiful. And also very Coach Taylor from Friday Night Lights of her. (laughs) Um, She's Texan, Brene Brown is, after all, so she gets that naturally. Strong back, to stand up for what is right. A soft front, to do it with love where possible. And a wild heart, (laughs) a wild heart, a heart that is ready to dream and to hope, a wild heart that is, has that tenacious, rebellious hope in life and in love and in everything. And I think it's that wild heart that brings us to the most important thing to cultivate in that childlike spirit. It's that confidence, that wild confidence that what we dream, we can do which I think is the most important thing for for me to recapture myself, that we can be an astronaut. (laughs) We can dig a hole that's like super big. We just need to get out and wake up early in the morning and camp out near it and get to work doing it. And we can make a world and a life and a community like this that's better, that's more just and equitable, a place of inclusion and peace, place of flourishing for all people, that all things can be made new, and that God is at work doing that just that very thing, and that when we join in that work, we join with the deepest forces in the universe. And in some way, just having that prophetic imagination to envision something new in the face of the old, that childlike spirit to imagine and dream and to have faith and hope and love for the new is where it must begin. And it won't be easy. The adult spirit is necessary, too. Wild hearts and wild dreams often have to go through the wilderness on their journey. But the wild heart, that childlike spirit, invites us to imagine the new that lies ahead and to have faith that things are possible. You just got to keep digging together and claiming our spot in the tumbling line and listening and loving with strong backs and soft fronts and wild hearts. So I've been thinking about the power of that imagination, of that vision, and that hope lately. In this past week, 
Um, I saw someone else talking about this. One of my theological life heroes, uh, her name is Glennon Doyle, and she's, um, she's one of my absolute favorites, not just because she's an incredibly life-giving thinker and theologian, but also because she's married to Abby Wambach, who's the, possibly the greatest American soccer player ever. And so that's a bonus, right? Can I get an amen from Abby Wambach fans out there, right? So uh, here's Glennon's thoughts on the necessity of this vision and this hope and this imagination in our lives. I want to share And most of us, we can imagine the most beautiful family, the truest, we can imagine the most beautiful life, we can imagine the most beautiful country, we can imagine, the, but we just think that's like a pipe dream. I think, I think what, that we can imagine it because it's the plan. That's where we're heading. That's yeah, we where have, we're heading. Yeah. So like we imagine it and then we just create it. Right? So no matter what anybody says about, oh, that's a pipe dream or that's Pollyanna or whatever, um, I think that everybody who revolutionized her own life or family or country is somebody who actually believed in her, what she could imagine. Yes, I wish my sermons ended with some, some better beat music. <laughs> you can check out the rest of that podcast too, by the way. Um, I love that thought, that we can imagine it because it's the plan. And that in order to make things new, part of it is finding that tenacious, rebellious, wild hope that it's possible. That everyone who has made things new in this world has believed in what they could imagine. Because in that belief, in that faith, we are joining with the God who is making all things new. And so I ask us, and I ask this room and each one of us in our lives, what is it that we can imagine this year this season in our generation? What is it that we can envision? What can we see being made new? What is inviting us into the work? Cultivating that childlike spirit of wonder and possibility and faith and hope and love, remembering what's important, knowing we belong, standing with strong backs and soft hearts and and wild hearts, soft fronts and wild hearts, knowing that there's wilderness ahead on that journey, but that there's new to be made through the work. That's the childlike spirit that invites us to cultivate it. What is it that we can dream? What can we see? For me, as I look ahead over this next season of life, I can see, even just in glimpses, uh, new communities of faith. Not just this one, but, but more and more in this country and across the world that are at work breaking down walls, ending harm, being open and inclusive, honoring the sacred gifts of all people. See, I can see a, a church that returns to the way and the pattern of Jesus, of love of God, of neighbor and ourselves, that seeks to take faith seriously with intellect and spirit and heart and action that stands for peace, that works for justice, and seeks to love all it meets, that protects all people and all creation, that's honest about the ongoing sins of, of racism and sexism and colonialism, that believes with rebellious, tenacious hope that this world can be made new and that we're a part of that in the empowerment of God, that this world can be and must be and will be. And so it, a community of faith that gets together to work for life, and love, and connection, and community, and flourishing for all people with that childlike, tenacious hope. And when I look out over this next year, I can see us as open and more 
playing our part in that more and more in this community and beyond, being a place of belonging, being a place together of connection and community, of possibility and wonder and creativity, a place with strong backs and soft fronts and wild childlike hearts that follow after the way of Christ. As Glennon said, it's possible because it's the plan. It's the plan of a God who is making all things new and invites us to let it start with us. In ways big and small this season, in your friend groups and in your family groups, in your workplaces, in your schools, and wherever it is that you move and you be, to be there with a spirit of childlike wonder, with courage, with openness, with faith, with hope, and with love. May it start with us this new year, that with childlike spirits, we begin to be made new, and we get to be a part of the new-making dream in our world. Let's pray together. Gracious, loving God, who is making all things new, God, let it start with us. You invite us into this great story. Bring about a community of justice and joy and peace. A community that whispers to this world that voice of belonging, of love, of connection, of purpose. You invite us to be a part. Jesus shows us that a new way is possible and invites us into the work of doing it. And so this season, in all the ways, all the places we move, God, help us to believe in that to hold with that tenacious hope, to act with that deep faith in the justice and goodness of this world and each other. Most of all, to live and to love with courage, with compassion, and with conviction that you, God, are a God who loves this whole world us included, and that as we are loved, we're called to love. May we be new this year. May this world be new this year. And we pray, especially for those who stand in harm's way, of the conflict in our world, God, in the Middle East and in Iran, we pray for peace, God. We pray for those who have come to our border seeking life and refuge, God. We pray for those under the shadow of the church who are hurt and harmed. We pray for these things, God, because we believe in the light that shines and the darkness cannot overcome it. May we carry that light, that new-making, life-giving light and love in our world this year with strong backs, soft fronts, and wild hearts, and a childlike spirit that reflects your spirit. We pray this in your name. Amen.